Welcome to Redefine the Circle, a podcast where we discuss all things pitching. I'm Ashley Sunshine, co-owner and head of pitching development at S2 Breakthrough. In this podcast, we're going to highlight topics that focus on how to maximize your pitchers now. We're going to discuss some of the trends that we've seen at S2 Breakthrough and talk about how we use data to create systems and training approaches that are specific to each pitcher. It's so important for us to continue to share this information and facilitate discussion within the pitching community so we can keep evolving as coaches and ultimately grow pitching into something it's never been before. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for joining the quest to redefine the circle. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Redefine the Circle. I'm Ashley Sunshine, co-owner and head of pitching development at S2 Breakthrough. Today, we're on episode four of series five, where we are going to talk about yet another sort of symptoms versus root case or something that we see with our eye and video that oftentimes we've really sort of fixated on, created drills to fix without really having the information to understand what is the root cause, what's going on underneath of it. So, so far in this series, we have covered throwing arm path, why arm path gets the way it looks the way it does, why it gets sent in the direction it does. Uh, we've covered stride leg, uh, what is linked to when stride leg is, it goes for excessive height or length, what happens when it's landing at a certain angle or in a certain direction. Uh, episode three, we talked about um, the drag foot specifically, which I thought was such an interesting one because I think we get stuck on that piece a lot as coaches. Um, and this fourth one here, I'm going to talk about glove arm. And I think glove arm is something that it's so obvious to see, like many of the other uh, sort of parts of the motion or strategies or variables within the motion that, that we've talked about in this uh, series. But glove arm, I think, is something that's like, keep your glove arm in. Or, you know, we've put things up like a pole or like a post or PVC pipe where someone has to keep their glove arm in. So the, that's just an example of basically um, really trying to teach the motion as if the glove arm is in charge. And so that topic of this entire series is to really understand that it's not that the levers, neck position, arm position, what happens with the, the legs, they are either being used as strategies to accomplish something the trunk is not able to do, or they are not being utilized as strategies. And essentially just what's happening to them is just a result of what the trunk is doing regarding the direction it's sending it in, uh, how it's turning or not turning. So uh, that's really what this episode uh, and this series as a whole is really about. So let's dive in to that glove arm concept. Okay, I'm going to turn over here to my computer. And I think it's going to be uh, pretty obvious when we're talking about glove arm, like we all know what we're looking at here when we're talking about glove arm. So let's just get this behind view look and I'm going to get her or get it going. And I'm going to show you kind of something typical that we see. Glove arm is really wide. This is something that everyone's on the same page. Like why is there glove arm out? Keep that glove arm in. Uh, and so almost always what we're going to be talking about here is a concept of of what's going on with anterior core, what's going on with posture, as we've talked about with most of uh, the discussions in this series. So what I see when something is so obvious to the eye like this, I want to kind of think about well, what happened right before that. And this side video then uh, I think is going to give us a lot more information just regarding why did it do that in the first place? So here's the first thing I see about this picture before I even catch that she gets so wide here in the arm action. And that's that her launch is using levers to lift up. Look how high that glove arm is. It's like way over her head. She's not getting ground up. She's not achieving time in the air 
from ground up push. She has to is resorting to the glove arm here and chest position in order to achieve that time in the air that's not going to come from here. So the reason why I know that is because obviously we see things like this all the time and this is what the 4D data looks like. So in this series, we're all about showing the video to talk about what our eyes are seeing, but let's get to the root of it. Let's look at the trunk, pelvis on the left, chest on the right. This is 4D motion sports um, and really giving us a good look at what's going on here. So as this picture is getting going, we do not have load. Like she's about to take off from her launch. We can see that she's well shy of this, about 40, 45 degrees that we typically see with when it comes to loading. And look at her main strategy. I mean, this is some of the deepest extension that I have seen. You can see it in the avatar. You can certainly see it here in the graph of what the chest is doing as far as trying to lift up. And so because the trunk is doing that in order to buy height in her launch, then her glove arm follows. And now essentially, not only is her posture not in good position to rotate, it's already sent it way up to, you know, up way too high for that glove arm action to be in control of rotation, but the trunk is not in, in position to rotate. And that's why we're going to see, this is going to be a common theme when glove arm is out, watch what will happen to the arm. The throwing arm is like now the levers are going to try to drive that rotation, which is why the arm almost goes into like internal rotation here of the shoulder forearm you're going to see is going to almost like pronate, meaning like get on top of the ball. That's what we're seeing here. So let me kind of start this story from ground up again. No load through the, through the posterior side of the body. The lower half is not really anchoring and putting force into the ground. The strategy for this pitcher is then to really lift up through the chest in order to create some air time. We've talked about this. It's about trunk arm timing. It's about syncing up arm and, and body and the brain knows that. And so she goes to an extreme strategy here with that trunk. And so as a result, glove arm goes in the air really you know, far overhead where we typically want to see that it will stop. Let me rewind, like somewhere around here, like right extended to the target, but instead really lifting up high here. Uh, and so because of that, She's not in position to rotate. The body is just all over the place. So the levers are going to try to drive that rotation. So she's just going to get wider with that glove arm. You can see the rotation with, with the glove arm happening here. You can see it happening with the arm action on her dominant side. And she's just going to use a wide uh, sort of posture using those levers to drive rotation back to the motion, uh, drive rotation back in her motion, I should say. That's what's going on with the glove arm. It's really just being sent in that direction because of all of this. What's going on here, the lack of what's going on here, and the strategy being used here. So careful with telling her control the glove arm. It doesn't have any other option as long as that's what she's getting out of her trunk between load and launch. Okay, let's go to the next one here. This is another example of someone where we're going to very clearly see glove arm is going to get into a position where it's going to be so obvious to us that it's not in good position. You probably are already taking a look at some similarities. You're probably taking a look at the fact that the throwing arm is overhead. We've talked about this in episode one. So this directional piece here, watch what happens when we know that we're not going to get rotation from the middle. This is going to be an obvious one. We're going to watch. This is going to be wide. And then that throwing shoulder is going to go from, instead of going from neutral to some external shoulder rotation and some supination of the forearm, we're going to watch it go face down. This is just like, you know, happens every time that something's going on with the trunk and we're not getting rotation. So with this picture specifically, uh, I'm going to look at the side view. 
Let's see what our eyes are telling us before we even look at her 4D data. And you can see that she's just stepping forward and her 4D, what it's really gonna show us, essentially there is no airtime. There's no time for rotation. There's essentially no rotation. And that's what we're gonna confirm. So as I come over here to 4D, let's get going over here. We're gonna see that as this picture strides out, remember we're typically looking at something around you know, uh, you know, 50, 55 degrees, 60 is kind of pushing the limit. And what we can see for this picture, 17 degrees of rotation. We're looking at normally 25-ish. Of course, that's not set in stone, but for the chest, this is like when you've really unraveled from the ground and have initiated rotation, there is no rotation going on with this trunk. And so what this picture is doing, she was not able to get into the ground. So we can, we can take it one step back. Like there's no load here at all. So as she's coming through, here's where she's gonna launch from. We can see that just in the timing of what's going on in her grass. Again, 15 degrees. So her strategy is not necessarily to use extension as much as the pitcher before to buy airtime. She doesn't use that as a strategy. She simply just steps forward. So she doesn't have the airtime. It's a step. This is why essentially it looks as if she's in better trunk arm timing, but the consequences of that are that the, the, we just didn't get any rotation out of the body at all. So what's gonna happen now is the arm has to bend to get overhead because there's no rotation to help it clear. And now watch the arms get wide and then start to drive that rotation. This is what we're gonna see. The way that we see when there's no rotation early on, we're gonna see extension here in the back and we're gonna see a lot of rotation in that throwing shoulder just to be able to drive what the trunk didn't do early on. So absolutely, the glove arm is not the problem in this motion. The glove arm is never the problem. The glove arm is just essentially getting wide, kind of pulling away from this arm action because the wider she gets, the more that she sort of can then pull back in to create this sort of like faux rotation. It's those levers that are really doing that. Um, and so again, just reversing back, you can see that she appears to be a little more in line, but as soon as the, the brain realizes like there's no space for the arms, I need some rotation, that's where that separation is gonna occur right here. This series of Redefine the Circle is sponsored by 40 Motion Sports, the most powerful, portable, and affordable motion capture system. 40 Motion sensors are used by the world's top sports professionals, and it's incredibly exciting to now have them for softball hitting and pitching. At S2 Breakthrough, every one of our athletes begins with an assessment process, which includes a biomechanics analysis using 4D motion sensors. The data is collected and available to read within seconds. It provides us with key metrics such as trunk stability, trunk rotation, as well as the timing and sequencing between the trunk and the arm. This is critical data for athletes and coaches to fully understand a pitcher's story and appropriately identify the root inefficiencies in her motion. The ability to fully maximize pitching performance metrics starts with understanding biomechanics, and there's not a more accessible and efficient way to quantify that story than through 4D motion sports. So I would say, you know, example one, as I'm scrolling back here, this was very much like anterior core, um, you know, basically really being overhead. I think there was maybe a graph that I didn't show here. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually clicked on it perfectly. And this is the first example. 
This graph shows us rotation specifically for pelvis and chest. And you can see like this peak here in blue, which essentially shows us like when a pitcher puts the brakes on and changes direction, that should be occurring. It's very important the timing in which that is occurring. When anterior core is sort of breaking on time and telling the body to start rotating toward the dominant side, we'll see that peak blue right here at the end of launch. And so this is showing us that she doesn't put the brakes on until she's overhead, which matches perfectly of what we're seeing here. So that's just how the data is really showing us. So basically she is busting through her brakes because that's her launch strategy. That's what's going on in this picture where the glove arm goes overhead like that. And why she relies on, you know, this big lift in the chest to create airtime. That's why the glove arm is doing that in this circumstance. For the second picture, what we saw is that her motion, essentially her trunk never generates rotation. And so even though her glove arm looks like it's more in line, uh, when I get to her side video, essentially, let's get back to launch. You can see it looks as if it's like doing its job. It can't stay there because the arms are going to get wide, as I just showed in that behind video. Here it is. It's gonna, they're gonna have to get wide in order to start to drive some rotation as she's getting overhead to come back through. So similar glove arm action, but for two different reasons. Uh, and we can clearly see that through this 4D data. Okay, let's go into, I think I'm going through this pretty fast, but I think we just have such a base knowledge at this point of, of the 4D data and what we're looking for in the trunk regarding the pelvis and the chest and stability, posture, rotation. So it seems like we can kind of, you know, the glove arm is kind of a simple one for us here in episode four. Let's go uh, picture number three, example number three. We talked about this in episode uh, number three here. Uh, we talked about this when we were referring to this drag foot. She was also an example. We know that we're going to talk about this concept of extension. She didn't have the pelvic stability, and I'll revisit that in her graphs. So she relies on a lot of extension to lift, just like we saw with the second, the, uh, the first picture here uh, in today's in today's episode. Uh, but it's not really as much for airtime. Is it just that it is that that's where she holds her tension? So she's gonna not have her glove go overhead like the first picture, but instead there her posture gets so compromised with extension and sort of butt back, hips back behind her that you're gonna see that glove that glove arm fly out because for her it's very posture related. This is a similar uh, kind of a hybrid example between the first picture and the second picture. Let's go ahead and look at this 4D. So a lot of pelvic instability. We see that here in this pelvic graph. So what this picture does is because she doesn't have tension ground through hips, she creates tension through the chest. So her glove arm will stay in tight through launch. But what we know happens is that as she gets overhead, you know, she's her graph rather than being close to zero, hips are really far behind her. She's not in good position to rotate. This was the example that I used with the drag foot is that even though this rotation is occurring, we see through other graphs that we can confirm that, but that it's occurring because of this. Basically, her final delivery is so sagittal, like a collapse in the sagittal plane. Like the chest just rips forward. The hips get sent back behind her, which is why in episode three, I talked about how she drags behind her and the chest goes forward. Like they're going in opposite positions. It's not rotation that she's able to achieve. And that's what we see here in these graphs. So very similar to the picture that we saw in our second example here. Basically her glove arm is gonna get out because again, watch the throwing arm. See how she's almost like on top of the ball here. She's on top of the ball because she's gonna generate rotation through the levers by getting them wide, by rotating through the shoulders. 
and they're going to try to be the strategy to get back toward the target uh, to you know that that the trunk was really not able to give her. So that's what we're seeing here with glove arm. Example number three. Okay, this one I think is so interesting. We are talking about direction here. So this is a picture that we're going to see is actually loading the wrong side. I think we talked about this in episode two when we were talking about just the stride leg generally. This pitcher loads the wrong sling. And so when she's loaded, she fails to get out of this side of the body, the left side of the body here, because she's a right-handed pitcher. And so what happens is she gets sent to the left. It's this concept of you know, uh, loading the right slings, the oblique slings. She gets sent in the wrong direction. And so what we see here is definitely gonna be a little bit of anterior core concept. You can see that glove arm getting overhead a little bit, but also it's being sent in the wrong direction because that's where her trunk, that's where her body is launching her. How do we know she's in the wrong sling other than just by being able to look at it here with our eyes and see how much uh, she still has uh, like so much tension and stiffness in that left side. What we would see here in 4D as I get this graph going is that when she gets to her peak load and is about to take off, all of her rotation, so I've mentioned this before, but we want to see a bell curve here in green, which means the pelvis is loading. But we'd like to see the blue, which is hike, and the red, which is rotation, stay nice and neutral toward zero, um, which would be obviously down here. Actually, I just realized that's at 20. So it would be down here at zero. So for her, basically what's happening is that a lot of times we see for pitchers as we get going in launch, they start rotating like the pelvis starts rotating to, to the dominant side because they lose kind of like force in the ground. And then it starts to dip below zero too early. For a pitcher that's loading the wrong sling, what we're going to see, so it's starting above zero because as we're looking, that's kind of where her motion starts. She starts loaded on this side, and that's why we see that. And so then as she loads and is still in this position, she and she's getting this, we're going to see hike. We're going to see rotation to the opposite side. That's the sling concept. It's like the pelvis is rotating in the wrong direction. And that's why we actually see this above zero instead of the other issue we typically see, which is that it's dipping below zero. The neutral would be better, that we're controlling the sagittal plane and it stays close to zero. But that's how we confirm that here with 4D and that it's loading the wrong sling. We see the pelvis getting pulled in the wrong direction. So as she launches then, as she comes through, basically she's going to be over-rotated. We talked about this. She's going to get to her max rotation right at launch. This was something that we talked about in episode number two, but it's still going to look like she is uh, in range of normal rotation or just outside of range, but it's because she started all the way at like positive. Let's take this back. Positive uh, 40 all the way here. So this is like, I mean, a ton, over 90 degrees of rotation. The reason her body has to do that is because as it's being sent to the left, she's going to excessively rotate everything to try to drive it back to the right to get on, on target here, knowing that the ball has to go forward. So that was a little bit of an aside here, but I want to kind of explain what we're even talking about when we're looking at loading the wrong side of the body and when we're getting sent to the wrong direction. So now watch, let's talk again about this glove arm concept. Let's watch as she now rotates excessively with, we saw in episode two, she uses the femur to excessively rotate. That's really what I was what I was uh, focusing on in that episode with this pitcher. And then the glove arm is just sent. It's like it's not even going to be like connected to the rest of her motion. And that's because her hips, her glove arm, they got sent to the left. 
the rest of her body is trying to drive back to the right. And that's what we're going to see here from this sling concept. So for this picture, her glove arm action, I probably should have shown some like before and after, but you know, a lot of these videos are initial assessments for these pictures. And this is kind of part of the story. We don't, we don't do our debriefs pulling out every single piece of the motion that's wrong. When we're talking about inefficiencies, we try to stick with like the root. Here's the root issue. And so now as we're following that root issue and how it's, what's occurring as a result because of that root breakdown, we try to tell that story. And then ultimately we link that story to, this is what happens with your arm slot. This is why you accomplish this VLO or you're stuck in this VLO range or you're only able to accomplish XYZ on the ball from a break standpoint or a spin direction standpoint. That's really what the debrief is about. But so we talk about these concepts in their debrief and then obviously to the degree they're training here, we're re-measuring all the stuff, we're getting new video for remote athletes, they're sending things back. We've identified, you know, things like, let's talk about our last episode. If we're seeing more rotation, if, if we're cleaning up early in the motion, not only should we be able to see some of these things in video, but we also then will be able to see the back end of the motion and some of that drag foot getting off its toe. Like we've identified, we'll start to see this, but it's because of this. Um, and so some of these remote athletes, as they're sending their videos, it's like, it's astounding. Like the changes their bodies can make. It's like for the first time, my drag foot now is in better position or like my glove arm is no longer an issue. And, and when, and it's really because when they say like, I've tried to fix that for years and nothing's ever worked. What I say to them is like, it's not that nothing's ever worked. It's not like you've tried and it hasn't worked. It's because you have only tried to fix it by fixing it. You haven't identified why it's doing that in the first place. So now let's create drills, if you will. I'm going to do air quotes there because we really design like constraint environments is how our pitchers train. Um, it's not necessarily drills because oftentimes more of the traditional drills start to get away from what the pitching motion actually looks like, how we, you know, even the fact that the body's a kinetic chain, what's actually happening in the motion, like uh, a variety of things, how the brain even communicates to the body. So the way we train as to breakthrough is, is kind of non-traditional, not because we just think it's cool to be different, but because for us, we want to make sure that anything we're teaching, we see translation in the full motion. So uh, being able for the first time, tell these pitchers the story behind the roots of those issues and to attack them. And they're not just solely attacking root issues to clean up glove arm. They know that like glove arm is just a byproduct. I know I'll see the glove arm improve, but I'm attacking the root issue because what I'm going for is a better arm slot because what I'm going for is more separation between the spin direction that I throw because what I'm going for is a jump in velo. So they start to now see root pattern breakdown all the way to ball flight. And now all these things that are in the middle, like where they're landing with their stride foot, like their neck position, like their glove arm position, it's flying out, it's doing this. They're now starting to see like, oh, those are all just things that are happening in between. They're all just a result. But the real sort of bookends of this story are these root trunk breakdowns all the way to how it impacts ball flight, how it it really keeps pitchers from being able to efficiently transfer energy out of the body to the ball and squashes velo or keeps velo, holds it back, and how that arm slot is affected. Like, look at these videos that we just looked at where we're like, because the trunk is not doing this, the arm is driving in this direction, it's rotating in this. These all of these things affect the arm, the uh, arm slot, and then therefore limit 
what we can do as far as how we unravel the arm to get on the ball. So this is an episode that I think is pretty short and sweet, and I think it's really tying together everything. The last episode that we're going to cover in this series is going to be episode five, where we're talking about front side resistance. And I'm really excited about this one because I feel like this is one of those big time buzzwords in pitching front side resistance. And there's so many drills like where we release and then after the fact, we jump back. I want to talk about in next week's episode, like what is front side resistance? What is it? Where does it even come from to the extent that someone is not achieving it? Why? And why when we just like we've talked about in all these other episodes, when we just try to fix what we see with our eye by literally creating a drill that's about what we're seeing with our eye, we oftentimes then can be feeding another problem, which can be a big time issue, not just with like, you know, not making progress, but when it comes to front side, front side resistance, some of the drills that are typically out there really actually put strain on other joints of the body, which can really, uh, you know, put pitchers in harm's way and, and increase some risk of, of, you know, soreness, injury, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm excited about that one. I think that's a really, really great way to really pull this series home, to really pull it all together. Um, hopefully it's been helpful to really see what's going on with 4D. That is such a critical part for us. And just being able to explain to our pitchers, like it's not my opinion what's going on in your motion. We're going to get some quantitative data with what's happening with the trunk to then be able to explain why we see what we do with our eye. Hopefully that's been really clear in these episodes here in series five. As always, thank you so much for joining, for listening, for viewing. If you haven't checked out the YouTube, absolutely go back and check out all of these videos because the visuals, especially in this one, I think I sat on the visuals, the majority of this episode. You definitely want to check those out. Keep questing on to redefine the circle, everyone. I appreciate you and I will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'd love to connect and hear your feedback. You can contact me directly at ashley at s2breakthrough.com. If you're listening, you can leave us a review. Or if you're watching, go ahead and leave a comment below. Also, be sure to follow S2 Breakthrough on all of our social media channels and subscribe to Stream S2 to find all things player development. Until next time, quest on.